Hello, everyone, and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I'm your host, Charlie Chappell, and today we get to sit down with Ardios Award-nominated casting director and stunt woman Angelique Midthunder, straight out of New Mexico. Angelique got into the industry by answering a casting call on a whim, working in front of the camera and then moving into the world of casting. She's cast for movies like Hostiles, Captain Fantastic, Shot Collar, and Woman Walks Ahead. She also cast an episode of the upcoming Amazon series Too Old to Die Young by Nicholas Winding Refn, and two series for Awesomeness TV, Tagged and The Unsettling. Also on a personal note, Angelique cast me in a movie that was filmed in her home state of New Mexico just last year, which is how we met. It was a delight getting to spend some time talking with her. In fact, the emails and communications that I had with Angelique during my casting and working experience on The Kid was part of the inspiration for this podcast. So much goes on behind the scenes that the actors don't really get to see, and setting up this interview was actually the first time she and I had spoken over anything aside from emails. She comes at casting with an interest in the people she's placing and a care about the work that stems from having been in all sorts of positions on set. Plus, as the matriarch of an entirely entertainment industry family, including her actress daughter, Amber Midthunder, and actor husband, David Midthunder, she really gets what's going on. Together, we talk about her process and approach to the work, what fascinated her and lured her in, and makes her keep coming back for more. So, I hope that you learn as much as I did. Thank you for being with us, Angelique. Thank you. Angelique cast me in my first big movie. And oddly enough, this is the first time that I'm sitting face to face with Angelique. Digitally face to face. Exactly. Exactly. uh, Because she's still in Santa Fe and I'm here in Los Angeles. You've done a lot, but I want to open on your crazy talented family. Your husband, David Midthunder is an actor. Yes. You're an accomplished stunt woman actress and in casting, and your daughter, Amber Midthunder, has been acting since she was a kid. Uh, I feel like you're being very generous here. First, you think <laughs> on the wild ride down memory lane, and you're being very generous, um, but thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll take it all, and I'll dispel the rumors and the myths as we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Please do that. That's what this show's all about, is, is trying to let people understand what it is that goes into becoming a casting director, but also just the world of entertainment in general and how casting plays its part and how all the other parts work kind of in conjunction with. So your daughter on the show, she's on Legion right now. She plays Carrie Loudermilk. um, And she kicks ass on this show. Does she do a lot of her own stunts? Um. She does do a lot of her own stunts. I feel like as, uh, so I have a, a history as a stunt person. It's not anything I've ever pursued. It's not something I'm pursuing now, but it just happens. It just comes up. People call me. Really? So, and it's hard to say no. Well, it just, I was casting on a, a movie and the, the uh, stunt coordinator, because I did start out as an actress many, 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 many moons ago. Um, I was already SAG and the stunt coordinator needed someone who could ride a horse. And so he approached me and was like, Hey, you ever thought about doing stunts? Uh, no. Well, I kind of need you to, would you like to horse riding? <laughs> sure. That I can do. And you're going to fall off. Well, that I've, just always tried not to do so 
Um, but okay, let's do it. So anyway, it was just something I fell into. But to answer your question, as a stunt person, I feel like I have to just always give like the stunt doubles their um, due credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to answer your question, yes, she does do a lot of her stunt work. I mean, she's just always grown up um, as a very athletic person. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, we have horses and dirt bikes and and we have a CrossFit gym in our garage, and she's been doing this stuff since she was 10 years old and doesn't know any different. Um, but, you know, what? What uh, she does, of course, have a stunt double that comes in, as all stunt doubles do. They work out all the stunts. They do all of the fight sequences, and they kind of figure it out beforehand, teach the actors the choreography, the safe way to um, manage the stunt work. And then it's really up to every individual actors and stunt coordinator um, and and the stunt team to figure out what's safe and what the actor is capable of doing and then where do the stunt doubles need to come in um, and then of course if there's a second unit the stunt double is always working on the stunt unit um, while the the actor works on the first unit with the director and the other actors so yes she does as many of her own stunts as they'll allow her and then of course there's the typical protocol where everybody is involved. Okay. Did you, because of your history in it, did you give her any tips or do you have any tips for actors as far as the physical side of acting and the potential of doing stunts and and things like that? I mean, you know, it's just safety first, you know, always listen to your stunt coordinator, always, always you know, take the advice of your stunt team and, and, um, it's just really safety first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have plenty of advice, but I don't know that everybody wants it. <laughs> so the fact that your whole family works in entertainment, uh, how does that affect the family dynamics? Because I don't, I come from a, uh, like a carpentry family and my mother worked in the newspaper for a long time. I had no clue about the entertainment industry in general, but did you come from like previously entertainment? No, I mean I'm I'm like you, my husband's like you. I mean my mother was a school teacher, my father was in the air force, grew up very conventionally um and went off to Hollywood and um worked our way from the ground up, my husband and I both. Um, and then, you know, um, my, my, our daughter was a little more fortunate where she kind of grew up in it and we tried to offer her everything in the world other than working in the entertainment industry. And of course, um, that's what she, you know, just had to do more than anything else. So, so is that a little bit against your wishes? No, I just, you know, I didn't want her to feel like it, it was her only option, which sounds so bizarre to anyone sure. that didn't grow up in it. But that's, you know, you grow up with and you know what you know, and that's kind of all she knew. So we just wanted to make sure that she had every opportunity to be a nurse or a doctor, or a school teacher or a police officer, just anything, you know. Um, but she she grew up in the casting office with me. I've always been a mom first so you know I'd pick her up after school I would use my lunch breaks to go pick her up after school she'd come in the office she had her own little space to do her homework by the time she was like able to do stuff as a person she was running cameras she was reading with the actors by the time she was in 
probably fourth grade or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, um, so she's just always been around it. Sure. So it's just, you know, it's just a lifestyle for us. Yeah. And it's it's pretty great because you know we all understand it. I mean, right now both of everyone in my family is in LA. I'm the only one that's even in. I'm the only one that's even at home, <laughs> feeding the horses. You know, um, but you know we just we're, we just have a flexible lifestyle. We just manage it. Oh, that's great. What you um, love. Right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's it's it's to have that support within your family and just the people around you, understanding what it is that you're going through, but also understanding you being able to understand what they're going through, I think, uh, is, it, it's something that's been hard for me to, you know, everybody back home asks, well, what are you doing? Uh, I, I don't know how to explain that to you because most of the time I'm just like working towards something. There's right. no fruit of the labor until way off in the distance. I mean, the, the film that I met you on, the kid, I have no clue when we're going to see anything from that. So this thing that I did last year that my family was very excited for me to be doing and I was very excited to be doing, I don't know when I'll be able to show that to anyone. Um, and, and it's hard for them to see the value in that without that tangible thing that they can see. Um, so I, I'm kind of jealous of the fact that you're around, your, your family is a part of the industry and working together towards, towards those goals. That's, cool. That's really cool. Um, it is. But I also feel your pain because I, you know, my parents, like, you know, it's like growing up, it took us forever. Now my mom gets it and she's excited to see my name in the credits of something somewhere. But it's, you know, it, it's definitely, um, like you said, it's a less tangible. And I mean, we've all felt the heartbreak of, of um, when you even work on something and then you don't even know that you ended up on the cutting room floor and you yeah. go to the I'm just warning you now, just in case you Absolutely. come up in your career and you go to the premiere with your mom and dad and then you're not even in the movie and your best friend is like, I thought you said you were in this movie. I mean, it happens to everybody and it's never personal. I, uh, I have actors. I mean, sometimes it's like an excruciating um, percentage of the actors that that we cast, uh, you know, um, that we cast that are supporting roles that uh, you see they end up, they're not even in the movie. And it's almost always, you know, it's not even really a creative thing. It's almost always for time. Um, it's like, well, you know, we loved this scene. We loved this character, but it was like we had to keep the story moving. And that just involves the lead, the lead characters moving their story forward. And so these supporting roles didn't make it. They enriched the story, but we didn't have time to add all these layers to the story that we did when we wrote it, not after we shot it. So, you know, and I, so I just always tell people it's never personal when you're cut out of a movie. I mean, I would say 99% of the time it's not personal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just a, you know, it's more of a logistical choice that the director had to make than anything. Sure. Not even a choice. Well, and it's it, to me, a lot of the aspects of the entertainment industry all come back to, especially on the actor's side. You never know what's going to happen. So you might as well just keep moving forward and keep your head down and work as hard as you can. Because, like you said, you may end up on the cutting room floor. You may have difficulty even getting in the room at first. For I've, I've been out here for 10 years. And for the first eight years, it was very hard for me to get in any rooms at all. 
Nobody yeah. wanted to talk to me. But you have to put in your due. You have to do your work. You have to show people that you're that you're dedicated and willing to work your ass off to make this happen. You definitely have to want it more than the guy behind you. You have to work harder for it than the guy behind you. And, you know, I tell people love the process because it's like there's all these steps. Yeah, it's hard. It takes years to even get in the room. Then once you're in the room, it's like you're auditioning for years and I haven't booked anything, you know. I've been to literally, you know, I, I, I know my daughter literally has been on hundreds of auditions. And it's like you just have to love the process. You have to love every audition. You have to love training. You have to you have to embrace the whole process um, because it's all it's all a part of the path to, to where you're going, you know, on your journey as an actor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, because you've worked in so many different segments of the industry, we're, I guess we're talking about actors being kind of in the dark. I mean, it's it's like with you on the, and, and with the kid, the way it all came together you know, submission, I got the response of we're anticipating casting you in this upcoming feature. I was really excited. And then for two weeks, three weeks, I didn't hear anything. So I'm in the dark for that time thinking, well, shit, maybe so I like to keep you in the dark, <laughs> just wondering, doubting yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Just but but there are moments of that for sure. And because okay. we're actors, because we're sensitive people, because we're but uh, probably because I spend an inordinate amount of time alone, all those things started coming to my head. Then you hear back and it's like, all right, you booked. But then there's more waiting and then there's some hurrying up and then there's some waiting and then there's hurrying up. And actors, especially supporting roles in movies and television, you're kind of in the dark a lot of the time. Um, and, and you're told, do this, execute this, you have to do your work, you have to be ready. But it, it's really easy as an actor to, I think, have your blinders on to everything else that's going on because you are in the dark. Is there anything that you would recommend to actors to uh, lighten up their world a little bit and get them out of the dark? Oh, yes. Well, I'm so glad you're asking these questions because that's what I really want to do is just demystify the casting process for everyone. So ask all your questions. Yes. Um, but as far as like being in the dark, I know, I know, I know. And you know, the reason is there's only one reason for that. It's because we're busy. And it's, so it's like, we can't contact everybody that auditioned and tell them you actually did really great and you were really, and sometimes we wish we could and sometimes we do make the effort when we have time to reach out and say, just wanted to let you know so-and-so did so great and they were really close, um, but it was a network thing or they had brown hair and the lead had brown hair and it just wasn't going to work, whatever. Um, but I mean, the reason that you guys are in the dark, sadly, is mostly just because we don't have time. To, to, we don't have time to follow up with every single actor. Um, but to make your life easier, this isn't even this isn't even casting advice. This is just life advice. Just to try not to take anything personally. You know, it's not about it's as much as it, it feels like it's about us. It's not about it's not about you. You know, it's like we just have to look at we have to look at everybody and uh, and. You know, um, of course, there's just it's such a collaborative process and there are so many pieces to the puzzle. Um, 
I don't know, I'll come to tell you the story. One time I was in a callback session with a director, and the production designer comes in. She has this big um, cork board with pieces of fabric pinned all over it. I don't know, 25 pieces of fabric. And she's like, which one do you like for the curtains? And the director's like, uh, I don't know, which, which couch did we pick? What color is the carpet? Oh, blue? Okay, let's go with the, the brown curtains then you know and um and so it was like it's not like he was going well those yellow curtains are stupid and those green curtains look <laughs> awful you know what i mean it was just like yeah. just made this he kind of looked at the whole picture what color is the couch what color is the carpet um and he, he made the best choice as far as what curtains that he liked in the moment that matched the couch and the carpet you know what I mean and he didn't like go through and tear apart all the other curtains so you know saying oh this fabric's too thin or this crushed velvet looks fake and so what I'm saying is like if you translate that over to actors you can't be like oh man I just what what did I do wrong you know because as long as you go in and you do your best and you're genuine to yourself and you feel the emotions that you're supposed to feel and you've developed a character and, and you know you did the best that you could then you did the best that you could and it's not personal if they don't pick you it's not because they didn't like you it's because another actor fit in better with the whole scope of the project mm -hmm. every single cast is always a, um, a, a you know, it's it's always an ensemble. You know, there's almost always um, a, a dynamic of um, love interests. There's often um, dynamics of family dynamics, you know, and then there's friends and there's good guys and bad guys. And all these people have to match in certain ways with their chemistry and the look. And, and sometimes it gets as silly as like, Oh, you you can't be too tall because the lead actor is only this short, or mm -hmm. vice versa, or the female can't the love interest can't be too tall because the male love interest is only this tall. I mean, it's there's so many, you know, there's so many, many, many dynamics that you just can't ever take anything personal. It's really never about you. It's just about what fits in the best. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it totally does. And, and it's hard as an actor, I think, especially when you're early on in your career to realize that because, hell, in, in my in certain Meisner training exercises, it's drilled into you that you have to take everything personally, take it personally, because then you can do something with it. So the training kind of goes against there's that dichotomy that you have as an actor that goes against the real world and the business aspects of the entertainment industry. Yeah, I mean, if there's a way to separate, you know, as a as a um, as you build your character, yes, the character takes everything personally because that makes a richer character. But you, as an actor, that's a separate, you know, drawing the separation between the character and the actor. You as the as the actor, you know better. Mm -hmm. You have the the logic not to take things personally um, in the logistical sense. Whereas, yeah. yes, the character, of course, is feeling everything and taking everything personally. That's how they're. That's how they absorb the emotions, right? And and return the emotions. Mm -hmm. So I, I think all of those are really really great points. And and for the actors that are listening. I think it's important that you 
try and separate yourself in those two ways because if you don't it's it's going to be really easy to get lost and i've seen a lot of people just have to leave because it gets too overwhelming sure. um, this is a very tough industry and it can be really tough on you mentally and emotionally because you are in the dark a lot of the times. But I also think that it's important for actors, and now it's, there's been no better time to do it, to understand what it is that everybody else is doing on a film set. To understand, and, and again, demystifying the casting process, trying to understand what it is that a casting director is going through when... 10 minutes before you were sitting out in a room with a bunch of people who look just like you and talk just like you and are saying the same words that you are because they're rehearsing the same script that you are, we're coming in with that singular point of view. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to juggle. Um, it is for us too. I mean, we also have to, um, you know, kind of draw the, the separation between, yes, we are juggling phone calls, answering emails, putting out fires, Suddenly now there's a new draft of the script. We have to, you know, break it down for new characters. Certain characters that we've already auditioned now have been omitted. And, you know, I mean, we are also constantly um, moving. But then it's also like when you come in the room, we do everything we can to just live in the moment, get to know you and and appreciate your the time that we have with you. Um, and, you know, being in the moment, especially you know, that magical time between action and cut when you're no longer you and you're the, the character and you're bringing to life, um, you know, the, the script pages that we've been pouring over for days and weeks. And, um, you know, and, and like talking about what what's going on with us, it's like, honestly, we're hoping we hope you're going to be good. <laughs> we're so <laughs> always on your side. And we we really I mean, me, I personally um, I can only, I, I guess, you know, I can really only speak for myself, but I have to imagine that, that other casting directors put as much thought and care as I do into the selection process, um, who we're considering for each role. Um, I almost put as much energy in, into that as I do into the, the physical casting. You know, I mean, I look at every single submission. I look, if you have more than one headshot, I look at all of your headshots. I look at your resume. If you have, um, if you have uh, reels or clips, I look at all of those things. And I, you know, I like to make really informed decisions about who we're bringing in for what role. And I put a lot of thought and energy into that. And, and then after I put all that thought and energy into that, it's like I have a lot of hope and anticipation for you when you walk into the room or when you send off a tape. Um, I look forward to that. I can't wait to see what you've done with the character. I can't wait to see what you've developed. If you've hopefully thought of things that I haven't thought of, if you've made this character um, layered, if you've given him some depth, if you've given him a history that's not there so that you have an emotional well to draw from as this character, you know? Um, so it's like we, you know, we love what we do and we're very invested in it as well. And we look forward to, you know, audition days are our best days. We don't have auditions every day. We do a lot of paperwork. <laughs> you know, we, we, like I said, breaking down the script, um, creating sides, um, you know, after the fact we do negotiations and, and, um, we make lists of actors that we want to see. And, and it's just a lot of, there's a lot of, um, 
stuff that we do that's, I guess, behind the scenes for you guys. But it's all in anticipation of that moment when you come in the room and give your performance. And that's the stuff that we look forward to and that we love. We probably love it more than you do. It's like it's so fun and we get to play all day. Um, and we want you to do well. That's what I want every actor to know that we're always on their side. You know, I mean, I've, I try to keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on out there. And I, I read the, um, you know, a lot of the publications that are geared towards actors because I want to know what's happening on the other side of it as well, you know, and, and I see articles, um, that, you know, how to get the casting director on your side and how to win over the casting director. And I just feel like, Whoever's writing these kind of articles, they are just missing the mark because we're already on your side. If we weren't on your side, what would that mean? That we like called in 25 people to read for this role and we're like, well, I hope they all suck so that I wasted my whole day and had nothing to show my director. Of course not. We're so on your side. It's like we want you to do well. And, you know, it, it, people ask too, like, well, I went into this audition and I did four takes and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing or I went into this audition, I did one take and then I left and I don't know if that's good or bad and it's like, well, you never know because sometimes it's like somebody comes in and I make them do it four times because it's like, oh, you're right there but you just missed this 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 one little, there's like this beat where I feel like there's a, like there's a transition or you realize something or let's take it again and really think about you know, did you hear what he said and what did, how did that make you feel? You just missed that one note. Let's go back and do it again. And, you know, so sometimes I'll make somebody do it four times, five times, whatever, because I know like we're right there. Sometimes they come in and they just nail it on the first one. And I'm like, that was perfect. And so you did one take instead of four takes and you nailed it, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I know people second guess and I know that it's hard. Um, and you, you'll really never know. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. um, but I think that, that all you can do for yourself is just put in the work, be prepared, and know that we're on your side. And to totally demystify everything about casting directors, my daughter, who, like I said, grew up in the casting office, you know, and she says, you know, I realized that she had to go to L.A. and start fresh in L.A., knew nobody, just like the rest of us, and... Um, but she, because she's so familiar with being in our casting office, she's like, oh, yeah, L.A. is the same as New Mexico. It's just a bunch of really nice ladies who are looking forward to their lunch break, you know. <laughs> so, and that, that really does kind of, you know, explain what it is. We love our jobs. We look forward to our lunch breaks. And, yeah, we're nice because we're happy. We enjoy what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It's so great to hear that, that you are looking for people to succeed. And I think that that's an important distinction that – actors don't necessarily get because it does seem like a competitive thing because it seems like we're fighting against all of these other people but when we walk into that room it all that should go away i feel like and and it's uh, it it doesn't always happen that way but when it does when you walk into a casting office where people are excited to be there and they really give a damn about what it is that they're trying to do and what it is that they're trying to cast as an actor coming in who does give a damn as well, is there something that actors do often, like across the board, wrong? Is there something something that gets in the way of a lot of actors when they come into a casting room? Well, I think if you're too in your head, um, that shows. I mean, here's the bottom line about being an actor. I have a sign on the outside of my casting office door that says no acting allowed. 
And I'm sure that confuses certain people. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. If you're feeling it, whatever it is that you're feeling, that's what's going to come across. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to act like anything. It's like if you're doing a scene and your character is sad, um, by golly, you better feel sad. You can't just come in here and act like you're sad. You know what I mean? You got to feel it. So, as you know, I mean, I guess that, that would be to answer your question, uh, you know, what are people doing wrong, if anything? It's just um, is, is if people get in their head and they try to formulate or fabricate, um, you know, and they kind of have too much of a plan, maybe. Then what I really want you to do is just relax and feel whatever it is you're supposed to be feeling. Don't think about it too much. Just feel it. Sure. That's great advice. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about firsts. Uh, according to IMDb, the first movie you were credited in the casting world was Joel Schumacher's Tigerland. You were credited with extras and additional casting. Um, and what I want to get into with this one is, for the folks that are kind of new to the industry, I want to talk a little bit about extras and additionals that need casting on a film and TV series, and how that is important, and what is the work that goes into finding those people. Man, I was just so fortunate to work on that movie, um... I, gosh, I love that show. Um, I, Joel Schumacher was the director, and he was just amazing to work with. Um, Mally Finn was the casting director, and, um, I mean, it was just a, it was a fantastic experience to just get thrown into the deep end and be working with such professionals and people who were so um, compassionate and understanding and open and helpful um, to somebody who's new in the business, that's really, really rough. Um, that was my first job as like kind of the, de the department head of extras casting. But um, we did a lot of kind of real, real people casting, what I call it. You know, we looked for a lot of people. That was a, that was um, a, the whole, majority of the movie took place in boot camp. So we looked for a lot of really young people that had, you know, military experience. And the way Joel shot that was he actually was on a military, um, uh, uh, some old military facilities that were pretty um, secluded from the outside world, uh, you know. And so um, really everyone was that was just a situation where there was no acting necessary because it was pretty rough conditions for everyone involved and everyone really built a solid, um, a solid team. You know what I mean? Just like you wouldn't boot camp. It's like everyone was, was put through the, the ringer on that and everyone pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and supported each other and had a, had a, su a supportive team, you know, from the, the creative team, from the top producers, um, I mean, Bo Flynn, and it was just uh, it was just a really great experience, I think, for everyone involved. And it, I don't remember your question. There oh, I go. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. It was it was along the lines of what additional casting and extra casting actually means when because oh. if you look at your credit list, there's a lot of early on, especially extras casting and additionals oh. casting. That's what when I say that I went out to LA and earned everything that I did. Um, that starts with extras casting. So yeah, so on that, you know, extras are, you know, the different levels of casting. Extras are 
people that don't have any lines. We call them now background actors, you know. Um, and uh, so when you're on set and you hear, you know, and you're there as an actor, but you hear background action and everyone starts moving, right? And then it's action. That's like then the actors start doing their thing. Um, so, yeah, I started out with uh, background casting and, um, and, and additional casting. There were a few roles that either got added in where there were a couple lines here or there. Um, you know, so, so we would, sometimes we would cast from the pool of background actors that were already there because it was because of the style of the movie being uh, everything takes place in boot camp, right? So it's, all the characters are already in place, whether they have lines or not. So now somebody needs to speak. Actually, we just decided we need somebody to speak in the scene. It doesn't make sense if somebody doesn't point this out or, you know, deliver a line that clarifies the situation. Um, who do we like for that? You know, so getting to collaborate with the director or things, you know, things like that, additional casting. And, and then um, now what I mostly do is location casting so you know shows come to new mexico we do a lot of we do a lot of shows out here um a lot of westerns but a lot of all kinds of shows so you know the way i explain it to people like um my parents and my neighbors who aren't involved in the film industry i tell them that uh anyone that you see on the screen who's maybe kind of not famous mm -hmm. um possibly had a hand in that, you know, everyone who has a line, but you don't already know who they are. Um, so, you know, those are a lot of, those are the supporting roles. And, and so they'll bring, uh, of course, the lead roles and um, the large supporting roles from LA or New York or, or overseas, depending on the budget of the film. And then we'll cast everything else um, locally. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can be anything from sometimes it's just a one line here and there, the waiter saying, you know, what would you like with your, to drink with your order? Or sometimes it's pretty, pretty big roles. Um, again, it goes to the budget of the film. I always say this, the smaller, the film, the smaller, the budget, the larger, the role, um, for the local actors, the larger, the budget, the smaller, the role, you know, we had, we had the Marvel movies that were shooting out here for a while. And those are like, you're lucky to get a one-liner in that because they'll bring everybody from L.A. They have the money. Um, but, you know, we, we do a lot of films that come out here, independent filmmakers that come out here that are working with a budget. And so they want to cast as many roles as they can locally so they don't have to pay housing per diem, travel, things like that. And sometimes, um, you know, the, the location actors get pretty lucky. And um, so we, of course, we have people then from other, even the larger markets, um, looking to work in these markets, uh, the regional the markets, because we do have a lot of opportunities um, and, and often the less competition. Well, let's talk for a little bit about the talent pool in New Mexico. How much work is happening in New Mexico? Uh, what kind of work is great for New Mexico teams and filmmakers and how can people get involved with it? I would feel like I want to say there's every kind of, of film happening in New Mexico. Like I said, from I mean, in the same year, I can work on a on a two hundred million dollar movie, or I can work on a two hundred thousand dollar movie. You know, um, and we, you know, there's a pretty solid talent pool. We have people come from all over um, to work in New Mexico. I'm not gonna lie, and we have people coming from Texas, Colorado, even quite a few people from LA have gotten hip to it and come to work out here because 
because you know um, in LA you know a lot of times especially when you're working your way up you know you're lucky to get a co-star role you're going out like you said you're sitting in the lobby with 10 15 20 people that look like you going for the same role of the guy who says whatever um, but in these smaller markets there's not as much competition and and sometimes there are meteor roles mm-hmm. you know and I've, I've worked on shows where we like to collaborate with the LA casting director as much as possible the LA casting directors you know we call them the lead casting director or LA casting and they'll be the ones you know signing on the name talent that's gonna fill the movie theater seats um, and then there's all these kind of in-between roles that are the supporting roles, large supporting roles, that are maybe not famous people. Those are probably the roles you're auditioning for where it's not the A-list actors, but they're still important roles. And it goes all the way down the list to the people with one line. But, you know, I'll, I'll talk with the um, lead casting director and they'll say, especially if it's a movie that's on a budget, and they'll say, you know, we're locking in these name actors for distribution, sales, all of the, you know, um, stuff they have to do for producers and then they'll go we have these great supporting roles we have the best friend and the you know maybe one of the love interest or the bad guy or whatever great roles um, but looking at the logistics their, their shooting schedule is scattered over you know a month and maybe producers are hoping they don't have to travel that guy out so do you have do you have the best friend or do you think you have you know the detective or whatever it is and we'll say, yeah, we let us show you what we have out here, and then we'll, and then you know, we'll see. It's like always, it's it's you know, they want to get the best actor. Sometimes the they sometimes the best actor is uh, available to us here. Um, you know, sometimes it's like if they're if they're looking at two actors who are equally talented and interesting for a role, but one happens to be local and one has to be traveled in, and it's a movie on a budget. Sometimes they'll go with the one that they that they don't have to travel in. You know, it's a it's a lot easier for everybody logistically. The costume department they can just hey, can you come in this afternoon for a fitting? Yes, I can. You know, I'm already there. They don't have to worry about traveling you out for you know, every little thing. So, well, it, and, and it doesn't seem like you're afraid of having to cast something that's a little bit harder to find too. Cause I read and, and tell me if this is wrong, uh, on 2016's the accountant, um, which was Ben Affleck, uh, where he played kind of an autistic character who had, uh, certain tics happening, but was also, uh, an expert in martial arts and firearms. You had to cast the kid, who played Ben's character Christian Wolf as a kid, um, or, or or were were tasked with searching for? We did help. We yes, we did help in the search, and um, that was just one of those really cool and fun experiences where we, I mean, and this was you know the creative team really wanted to get. And if you remember that movie too, he was an ex a martial arts expert. So here we are going to all kinds of um, schools, art schools, schools for, you know, um, people with disabilities. We're also going to Taekwondo tournaments. And, I mean, we for probably a couple of weeks, we searched high and low for this character. And um, this that particular job was a lesson to me um, in, in what I was speaking to you about not taking things personally and also not um, – 
uh, maybe I would say like detaching from outcome because we found some great kids and we even, I mean, we even brought them into the office. We hired um, an actor to play the Ben Affleck role and we would spend hours working with these kids who are not trained actors who maybe were actually autistic, you know, and, um, and basically, you know, I guess free acting lessons for these, for these people were, um, myself, my partner, um, and another professional actor are just, you know, going, going through it with the kid and going through it and, and just teaching them everything they needed to know so that we could just get the perfect, you know, take, you know, on these kids. And maybe we, we would bring them in more than once and, okay, that was a great session today. Come back on Thursday and we'll do it again, you know. And we had some really great, um, we had some really great uh, candidates. We thought, and then, and then of course, you know, they ended up finding it wherever they found it, and it wasn't one of our kids. So disappointing for us because we were, you know, grew very close to these kids and put so much work and energy into them, and really wanted it to work out for somebody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but of course, ultimately, we we want what's best for the film, and we accept that. But it's like you know, I think actors don't realize too that that we, we're as invested as you are. Like I said to you earlier, we want you to do well, um, you know, and we feel that way about everybody, you know. And so um, and so yeah. So sometimes when we are casting and and L.A. and New York and other people are all casting for the same roles, yeah, we hope we hope you get the part as much as you do. You know, we're disappointed when you don't get the part and it's like somebody and like, oh, of course you're going to get Gary Sinise for that role. You know, of course you did, you know. Um, But yeah, so it's like, you know, we we I guess, yeah, we're as invested as as you are. But on your side, ultimately, you're working in service of the story in service of the director and and the vision that they're trying to create. So this this is why. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, so next up, I've, I've read in various interviews that you specialize in Native American casting. What does the marketplace look like for a Native American actor in today's media landscape? I am tasked with Native American casting quite a bit. Um, I just kind of got thrown into that because my husband's a Native American actor. So my last name is Native American. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they come to me for it. Um, and I have organically been in the world of Native Americans for the past 20 plus years that I've been, um, married. So I do have kind of, um, an organic, uh, knowledge of the different Native American tribes and things like that. And I happen to be situated in a place too, um, Santa Fe that has probably one of the largest um, populations of concentrations of Native American actors. I think, you know, it's, I don't know what was first, the chicken or the egg, but there's so, there's a lot of Native Americans in the Santa Fe area in New Mexico, and there's also a lot of film production here. So, you know, um, one thing feeds the other. Um, But, um, so productions do come here that are looking that to cast, you know, that have a lot of Native American content. We have a lot to offer them, um, but but it is it's a it's a little bit different beast, you know. It's not like you you um, go to LA and do casting for it. You're going to be getting a lot of tapes because you know 
this is a type of people that are, they're going to live their life, whatever it is. They're going to live where they want to live and do what they want to do. And that doesn't always mean that they're going to go live in LA. So we're getting tapes from South Dakota. We're getting tapes from Canada, you know, and if you're in LA, you're still going to get tapes from South Dakota and Canada, even if you're casting those roles. So it's kind of, it's kind of great too, because it's something that I can do um, from my home where I love to live. I did live in LA for several years and, um, and finally realized that I was able to live where I wanted to live in Santa Fe and still do the work that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Is there a lot of work out there for Native American actors right now? Um, what do you mean by right now? No, just kidding. Uh, uh, no, I mean, it, it comes and goes, right? Yeah. Like, like have, you always, see, have you seen more of it? It comes and goes with the landscape of what's popular in, in films, you know, what the viewers are wanting to see. I mean, I feel like there, it definitely, you know, we're talking about Westerns. There's an ebb and flow, right? There's years where a lot of Westerns come out, and then there's years where not very many um, you're like, oh, I haven't seen a Western in years, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, la um, probably was it last year or the year before where, um, you know, we worked on Hostels and Woman Walks Ahead with Jessica Chastain. She, um, she played a, uh, it was a kind of, it was about, um, Sitting Bull, um, okay. and Hostels, which, uh, I'm, you know, was just in theaters with Christian Bale and Wes Duty, who presented at the Oscars this year. And of course, when The Revenant was happening, they were doing that kind of thing where Renee Haynes, who's a mentor, a friend and mentor of mine, was doing the Native American casting for that. And she was traveling all over North America, you know, looking for for the different roles. And actually, the um, the actor who played Leonardo DiCaprio's son was from right here in New Mexico and went off to Argentina and Canada and everywhere else that they shot. You know, they traveled him. Um, but he was from here. Again, this speaks to kind of the population. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think for Native American actors, just like any other actors, there are ebb and, it ebbs and flows. Even with, you know, some years it's like, oh, I feel like every movie I saw this year was a romantic comedy, you know? So... It, I think it all just goes with the natural ebb and flow, but I definitely do think that shows that that um, are you know have that kind of content do look at filming here. Mm -hmm. Well, I I hope that more of that does happen. I grew up in the South. I grew up on a cattle farm. Westerns are uh, it's pretty much all I watched growing up with my grandfather. Uh, so I hope more westerns are starting to happen. Are there any Native American filmmakers out there making their own, telling their own stories right now to, to keep an eye out for? There, um, there really are. Um, we were fortunate to work with Sydney Freeland on her first uh, feature film that was called Drunk Town's Finest. She's from um, Gallup, New Mexico, and that's kind of a derogatory term that people would call um, Gallup, New Mexico, Drunk Town. And I mean, I think the cast... I want to say there were maybe 37 characters on that, and uh, we did all of the casting for that um, with Sydney, and I think maybe 34 of the 37 roles were Native American. Okay. Um, that ended up premiering at Sundance. Um, Stephen Judd is a phenomenal, um, he's out of Oklahoma, he's a phenomenal filmmaker, uh, Native American, Choctaw, and maybe 
Chickasaw or one of the other. But anyway, I mean, I mean, he's writing for like he wrote for Disney. You know, it's like he he went through, um, you know, he went through the the programs and worked his way up, and he wrote on like, you know, some some kid shows, not even Native American content. Just a talented guy. Um, we worked on Scalped with Doug Jung, who did the Star Trek uh, movies, and he was the showrunner for Scalped, which was. Um, which uh, took place on a reservation and of the series regulars that was another one we collaborated with Renee Haynes I think there were maybe seven or eight series regulars of those I would say seven of the eight were Native American um, and we had Sterling Harjo was a producer on that he said he's the Native American producer so there's a lot of people who are um, Sydney, um, Steve and Sterling all, you know, started with their own content, but are working their way into mainstream. Sydney Freeland, who did Drunk Town's Finest, premiered at Sundance. Now she's, well, I don't want to spill any beans, but she, she, I just talked to her a couple of weeks ago and she was directing a network, um, episodic television show. Nothing mm-hmm. to do with Native Americans. So, you know, because if you, if Native Americans are only working on Native American content, there's not enough there's not enough content, there's not enough of an audience. You know what I mean? If you look at the general population, what is 2% Native American at the most? So, um, so you know, it's I love seeing these people, yes, creating their own content and also doing well on the larger scale where they're actually making enough money and having um, creative influence um, on all kinds of materials and that they're, you know, not boxed in either to, to just working on... Uh, Native American content. Of course, I think for anyone, when you start out, you want to do what you know. And then as you grow as a person, you you have more opportunities and you want to have your hand in more things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that that, that is the mentality because I, I, I think maybe there's, there's an idea that, you know, black people should make movies about black things and white people should make movies about white things and Native Americans should make movies... And and that's not true. We're we're all in this shared experience. So I'm glad to see that that is happening. And and Sydney stepping up and and doing all sorts of work outside of just her own stories. I hope that that is a trend that will continue on. And I only think that it will because uh, partially because of progressivism, uh, but also because if you're good. You should be working. Right. I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I wanted to talk about your first credited feature because we, we're, we're getting close. We're about five minutes out uh, of your heart out at 11 here. Um, I wanted to talk about your first credited feature as full-on casting director with Big Sky. Uh, I watched it yesterday. I really enjoyed it. You've got director, and, and let me know if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, George Michael Grau? Very good. Oh, great. I got it. Uh, stars, stars Bella Thorne, Kira Sedgwick, Aaron Tveit. I've never known how to pronounce his name. He's an amazing actor, and he's great in this movie. Is it Tveit? You're not going to get me to mispronounce it either. Yeah. No? Okay. Okay. Sorry, Aaron. We'll get it figured out. Uh, Frank Grillo, Francis Arnold. It's a, a movie about a teen traveling with her mother to a treatment center for her agoraphobia, and they have to fight for their lives when a gunman attacks them. Uh, how did you get attached to this movie, and how did you end up with... Because it's such a small, uh, low-budget indie kind of thing, you ended up with 
even though it's a small cast across the board, there's maybe 13 people in the movie in total, your core cast is phenomenal. Yeah, I unfortunately can't take credit with that for that. Um, you know, the producers were very smart and, um, and, you know, they had some great ideas coming in. They knew um, what their budget was and where to allocate their money. Um, very smart. You know, a lot, of, a lot of shows that don't have big budgets, but they have really good scripts, they put their money in their cast, you know. And, um, and if you have, um, you know, producers, directors that have working relationships with, with certain actors and they can get a script to them. I mean, this is all sometimes the hardest part is even getting your script read. Right. So if you have any kind of relationships and when you have a good script, um, you know, that you can get it to people through people, you know what I mean? And then those people want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so honestly, I didn't have a hand in attaching the people to the project um, that you mentioned, because those were people that the producer said, we want these people in our movie. And they they were able to get the scripts to them. And they said, yeah, we want to do it. And, you know, sometimes okay. it's that easy. Uh, sometimes it is that easy, especially when um, when the material is that intriguing and the characters are that meaty that people want to want to be involved. And, you know, and you see it a lot more than you would think that you would where actors, they're hungry to, you know, even actors like that, that were that were in that film. Those are certainly actors who. They probably have their jobs lined up for years, but they get a script like that and characters like that, and they go, "Yeah, I want to. I'm going to carve out some some time in my schedule." And they talk to their agents and they say, "Please make this work. I want to do it." Mm -hmm. You know, so so sometimes it is that easy when it when you have a, a script and um, directors and producers that uh, you you know it when you have something good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for the low impact, low budget, small cast indie film. It's 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 what it to me. There's something just about screw it. Let's go make a movie. I've got yeah. these finite resources, and yeah. I'm gonna go do it. Um, you know, Primer, That's Another crazy. Earth. I I love that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this one captured Bella's struggle really well, viscerally, emotionally, and what's important about these kinds of movies is that they do characters really well. Like you said, there are meaty roles that can attach these these actors, and it starts with that casting. What are some of the resources that you have to look at when attaching people to a movie? Well, I mean, resources... I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but, I mean, money always helps. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've certainly worked on films. Um, you know, like you said, these... You know, I've worked on some low-budget films um, that have that where the producers are. To me, I think they're they're smart, and they'll they'll limit their locations, they'll limit their special effects, they'll limit their stunts, but they will spend money on their casting because when you you know when you get talented actors, um, you know, in in the these meaty roles, they bring so much to it, mm -hmm. and. Um, so I think, you know, yes, I live in the casting world, but if I were producing um, and I had a really good script and not very much money, that's where I would put my resources is towards is, you know, towards locking in the best cast that you can. And of course, it's a snowball effect. Once you get um, once you get one uh, actor involved that 
that, uh, you know, who, who falls in love with the script and wants to be a part of your project, um, then other actors go, oh, that actor's doing it? Well, I love the script and I want to do it too, you know? So, um, so it's, it's a, it, you know, there's kind of a pattern there, you know, when you can, when then, and then when, when the casting director is calling up the agents and saying, well, we don't have much money, uh, we're doing this favored nations, which means everybody is being paid the same, whether it's scale or what, or a flat rate or whatever it is, but you say, but we do have, um, we do have this actor attached and we do have this actor attached. And then the other actors jump in and go, yeah, that's that I would love to work with that actor. Certainly you have a list of actors that you would love to work with and probably you would work for scale or free to work with some of those actors, you know? Um, and I don't Absolutely. think that changes even as you gain success, even if you become an A-list actor when the kid comes out next year, um, you're still going to want to work with Robert De Niro and you would work with him for scale or, Absolutely. or you know, so yeah. I mean, um, I, I didn't tell you this at the beginning of this whole process, but I would have done the kid for free. <laughs> you know, and it's the same way for me too. I read scripts, and I go, you know, um, I, I have, there are there are directors that I, um, there are scripts, and there are directors that I come in contact with, and I, I just feel like I would do this for free. I just want to contribute to making this film, or I just want to work with this director. I. But I would have done the kid for free too. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty phenomenal. I'm I'm such a fan of of the people that I got to work with, and the fact that I got to meet you, it, it it's it's been this blessing. And I was go I, I even pulled up the call sheet last night, and there's I I I giggle at how kind of exciting it is to be a part of things like this. Um, so first and foremost, thank you for getting me on this show, but also for taking the time to sit down and have a conversation with me about this world and helping to demystify it because I think it's important and I think that what casting directors do is often overlooked and I, I wish it was not that way. So here we are to do something about that. Well, you're very kind, and but I do have to tell you, um, I didn't get you on the show. Vincent sat me down and said, um, here are some very talented actors that I've seen. Um, you know, let's see if they fit into the movie. And you, you happen to be one of them. So, um, you know, you got yourself there. You, you know, I appreciate that. you put in the hard work, you know, and you, you bring what you can to the table and, and, you know, a director and, um, casting director, they see your work and they know that they can trust you, um, that they can rely on you. Uh, that on the day you're going to have done your homework and you're going to come to set um, as a well-developed, fully rounded character that's going to add, you know, that's going to add to to the project. That it's not just something on paper anymore. You breathe life into it, and that's what we're always looking for. That's a great place to to wrap this up. I know we've run a little bit over time. Everyone that's listening, please, please. Check out Angelique's work. Um, if you're in New Mexico, hit her up. Are there any uh, parting words that you have, anything that you would like to promote, anything that you've got going on that you'd like people to know about? Um, well, I mean, I just already said my daughter is my favorite thing. And mm -hmm. um, Legion on effects. So that's what I'll be looking for. I have nothing to do with it. I haven't worked on it at all. But um, but I can't wait to see it season two. And um, 
uh, yeah, no, that's it. I just, uh, I just, you know, the main thing is I always want actors to know that we're on their side and that we want them to do well. And so, you know, I, the casting office should not be a, a mystical place or a stressful place. It should be a comfortable place because you know when you walk in the casting office, this is a safe place for you to experiment, to try new things, to take risks. This is what we're hoping you'll do and we'll support you in it fully. I love that. Angelique, thank you very much. And uh, I'll let you get back to work. You have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you. You too. All right. It was really great finally meeting Angelique, and I look forward to our next conversation. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share with your parents. I think they'd probably like it if you called more often. Tune in next week when we chat with Corbin Bronson, a casting director on hit TV series like Chase, Eureka, Revenge, and Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Sometimes casting a famous person to cast a famous person is letting the tail wag the dog. And that is by far the least interesting part of casting to me. Anybody that has IMDb can sit and make a list of famous people. It takes a casting director to find the right use for them or to... Um, realize when that's just overcasting. And as always, Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs. Video productions find work and companies save money. Again, thank you very much to our partners at the Casting Society of America. They serve as a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. So if you want to learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit them at www.castingsociety.com. If you have any feedback for us, we would love to hear from you. So please let us know what's work and what's not. What casting directors would you like to hear from? What films and TV shows do you watch? Let us know in the comments. 